Okay, Bill. Wait, are we recording? Yeah, we are recording. recording. We're recording. I was just saying, I I used to have a a group with some of my friends. They would, family of them, they would all pronounce the hard G. Recording. Hmm. All right. Um, This is our, this is our, uh, welcome to the Coen Brothers Movie Club. I'm Peter, and that over there is Bill. Yep. And... Um, today, today we are going to talk about No Country for Old Men, mm-hmm. the Coen Brothers movie. I'm trying to cue up the next bit. That's why I'm doing this. Okay. All right. Here we go. Ready? Yep. Let's do it. No Country for Old Men. Can't hear nothing. Let me ask you something. I can hear it. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? Look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. Just call it friendo. Man. In the open country, you can find anything. Full of money. He's just a guy who happened to find that money. I got a bad feeling, Llewellyn. It's a mess, ain't it, Sheriff? It did aim, it'll do till the mess gets here. I'm looking for Llewellyn Moss. Did you go up to his trailer? Yes. Do you want to leave a message? Yes. I'll it's weird to include mother, I love her. that lady. Well, then I'll tell her myself. I think some of these line here. reads are different from you the ones actually used in the movie. Got any notion of a sort of debtor hunting him? I don't know. He ought to. He's seen the same things I've seen, and it certainly made an impression on me. Just how dangerous is it? Compared to what? The bubonic plague? The crime you see I... now, it's hard to even take its measure. It's just all out war. You can't stop what's coming. What's this guy supposed to be? The ultimate badass? You don't understand. trailer call it call it there it is mm-hmm. that's that trailer yeah i think maybe the line reads were um also due to the fact that we're having technical dif- difficulties on on my internet mm. so some of them might um, have seemed different yeah i also think um, they might have edited them in a certain way for the trailer that made me think it was a different alternate line read yeah but i always i always pride myself on noticing uh like when a trailer uses an alternate take from the one that's actually in the movie I can't think yeah. of any other examples, of course, right now. What would be an interesting podcast is if I could rattle off several examples, but I can't. Well, missed opportunity. Um, I was, and on my, since my computer's acting weird, I'm recording this through my phone Zoom. And I did have, since it's, you know, birth of America Day, I had um, Born in the USA queued up, but we're going to abandon that plan. Yeah. So picture now. Born in the USA playing. Bing, 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 bing. Yeah. Okay. But enough of that. Yeah. No country for old men. Um, 2007 American neo Western crime thriller, Wikipedia tells me. Uh huh. It doesn't even really have, I guess it's a Western, but it doesn't really have a lot of Western tropes, I don't think. 
No, the it's set in the West, but and there's a sheriff. There's like a sheriff, but I don't know. It doesn't really doesn't Western have Western field. tropes to me. It's not a no. neo-Western like Unforgiven is, or or you know things like that. Uh, the a critique I heard of No Country for Old Men that was trying to insult it, mm-hmm. but I don't think did. They said that No Country for Old Men is like Terminator set in the West. Oh man! And if you start, if you think about it, it's pretty accurate. Like down to some of the the body horror, like self uh, self surgery moments. Arnold's yeah. digging digging his eye out. Sugar's, you know, in the um in the hotel digging stuff out of his leg and uh-huh you know, all of that stuff and this relentless force you know arnold or anton um just relentlessly pursuing somebody without there, there's not really a rhyme or reason to it um yeah so this so i was thinking about this i feel like do you want to hear my very cynical take on this yes. movie? Which I love this movie, by the way. Yeah. But I was too. thinking about this. Um, in terms of how the Coen brothers uh, came about to making this movie. Right. So if we look at if we look at their movies, looking at their filmography right now. Mm-hmm. The movie that came immediately before this, that we did our little Coen Brothers movie club about immediately before this was Lady Killers. The and worst movie they did. By far. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that we talked about how bad it was, was because they, like how terribly they handled race in that movie. Yeah. And um, it's like, I feel like, after that movie they were like um we're gonna stay in our lane (laughs) and after that there's there's virtually all it's virtually only white people after that from this movie and in all of the movies going forward like burn after reading serious man true grit inside lewin davis hail caesar yeah Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and then you know Macbeth is coming up, but with um, with yeah, so so maybe they've you know in the this came out in 07, so maybe in the 14 years since. Well, yeah. Lady Killers came out in 2004, so right, and maybe it's, they're you know, and well, I, who knows what they're going to do with Macbeth? Whether they're just going to do a straight adaptation or if it's going to be who knows? Like they're sort of it's sort of famously the case that no one quite knows what a Coen Brothers movie is going to be about until it comes out, except of course, unless it's adapted from a novel, which this one was. Yeah. And I, I read the novel before we did this podcast. Um, I'd never read it before. And it's like, the novel is basically the script for the movie. There's not much different from the, from the novel to -hmm. the movie. Like, no dialogue and and everything is virtually the same there's one big difference and that is in the novel Llewellyn um picks up a hitchhiker yep and that person is replaced by um the woman at the hotel who keeps offering him beers yeah um who winds up getting killed. And I can't remember, in, do you remember in the novel if the hitchhiker, if she gets killed? I don't think she does. I think it's ambiguous. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's I, also another another difference is that um, Sheriff Ed Tom Bell, there's a lot more to his backstory. And there's yeah. also like the whole sequence where he goes to um, whatever town it is where Shigur gets into the car accident and he like talks to the two boys who saw him on the bicycle and he does all that. Mm-hmm. But that's not, you know, that didn't, I think cutting it out of the the movie makes sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, I did like the the extra bits in the book about 
um, Ed Tom's like history of of being in the war, and he feels bad about about yeah. how he he kind of got a bunch of guys killed, and and that's sort of like further motivation for him. Right. Yeah. 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 But man, this movie is almost like it's one of those movies that is so perfect. Like, I feel like I could go through scene by scene and quote this movie. So it, it, the, in, in a way, like making a podcast about this movie is, uh, well, you know, we've done more foolish things in the past. So why not? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, on, on the time, on this rewatching of the movie, I was trying to, um, one thing I was trying to keep in mind was, okay, if I was Llewellyn, what would I have done differently? Because one of the things that I think makes the movie so good is that for the most part, Llewellyn is also smart, right? Llewellyn is smart and Shigur is smart. They're both smart and they're both really clever and about pursuing the goals that they have. Um, but Llewellyn's sort of flaw is hubris. Like he, mm. he, Llewellyn thought that he could get, a, like he, Llewellyn thought he could still somehow come out on top, even after it became pretty clear that he couldn't. I, I, I agree. I agree with part of that. I think his original flaw, I was thinking about this. I think his original flaw was um, trying to offer kindness to yeah. that guy who was asking for water. Because if he That's wouldn't true. have gone back, nobody would have found him. Right. That's true. And um, so I think the movie is, I think that's part of the Cormac's point of, you know, most of his things is like offering kindness in this world uh, will ultimately lead you down um, a path where you're going to get, uh, you know, it's not going to lead to good things. Because yeah. I was thinking about that, that book that I read recently, it was a second, um, the second book in the border trilogy mm -hmm. where the kid has he he tames that wolf i haven't read it but yes oh do you mind if i spoil it no, a bit no. for you so this kid tames a wolf and then um is like goes down to mexico and a bunch of different things happen but these these sort of bad dudes start using the wolf at, at, like they they kind of take steal the wolf away from this kid um who this this kid had tamed and um they were using the wolf in like dog fights and stuff and um you know in typical cormac mccarthy fashion it's like oh it, the kid's gonna save the wolf he's you know it's like leading up to the scene where he's doing all of these things and he gets into the room where these dog fights are and then the kid just shoots the wolf in the head before, like, because he couldn't, he couldn't get out. He couldn't save it. Like just going forward, it was just going to be more terrorizing for the wolf. So there's this, I almost, I almost like threw the book out the window when, when yeah. it happened. Cause you know, he makes you really care about the wolf. And yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it's just one of his themes is like, what happens when we become soft or something, you know? Hmm. But I, yeah, I think, I think hubris and also, also what, um, it's this idea of like living by a code that matters so much to Anton, right? Right. Because I was thinking about this, the, the lady, the lady at the moat uh, at the uh, the uh, trailer park, right? Who will just not? We can't give out no information. We can't. Did you not hear me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, yep. as far as we know, that lady came out of it unscathed. Right, because you know you make a good point. She had her code. She had yeah. Uh, yeah. Anton like respected her code, and he's like, yep, oh, game respect game. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's it, right. Like, oh yeah, this lady. And and I mean, that's maybe that's a generous read of it because No, I think that's exactly right. I think that's correct. That's I it never occurred to me before, but I think that's 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 right. Yeah, and and it's it's why he just 
could not handle that that guy in the um in the gas station who was clearly mm-hmm. just sort of like a folksy like well here i am i'm just kind of doing my thing i don't yep. know where you headed what's going on yep um and just kind of loosey-goosey about everything and he just couldn't handle you know he couldn't handle it but he, um, but he lucked out <laughs> he, he passed the 50 50 test yeah yeah and and so you know like yeah hubris for Llewellyn and then they all but also the movie it it's like he dies right after he's kind of flirting with with the beer lady mm-hmm. the lady at the at the pool yeah so in a way it's like Llewellyn's own supposed code for himself he didn't completely follow right and so that you know the movie itself is like reinforcing that that whole like code idea i think and it's interesting because he had so sugar says all right this the deal i'm going to offer you is i'm still going to kill you but i won't kill your wife if you give me the money i'll leave your life alive but i'll kill you and he doesn't take that deal but then it's not sugar that kills him so right. it's, a bit, it's a little bit ambiguous. You're left kind of wondering, well, if he had just avoided, if if the Mexicans hadn't showed up, maybe Llewellyn would have been able to outsmart Shigur in the end. But probably, yeah. maybe. He had gotten close to outsmarting him a couple times. Did did they show... I'm, I'm, I know that's the way it happened in the book, was that the, the Mexicans killed him. I know they that they show in the movie like the Mexicans pulling off. Yeah. And they say, but was there it was there any implication that Anton somehow was there also? I don't think so. I think yeah, it was I don't Mexican. think so either. Yeah. Yeah. I think but, she, Anton came later to look for the money. Right. But I don't think he was there at the time. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the one thing that really struck me upon this re- re-watching is how good Javier Bardem was at injecting some humor into Sugar. Like his looks and, and his eyebrows and stuff are so good. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, yeah. uh, uh, when, when the, when the sort of, uh, when, when the gas station guy wins the coin toss and yeah. he goes, don't put it in your pocket. Yep. He and, gives, and he I found does a, the eyebrow raised. Yep. I found a GIF of that moment, and I think that's a GIF I'm going to use a lot <laughs> because it's so the, good. And he won the I, Oscar for it. He won the Oscar for um, that role, I believe, as best supporting actor. I think he won it for that very specific uh, facial expression. Actually, yeah. it was they gave him the Oscar for it was best facial expression in a movie. Right, and I remember at his at his when he gave this speech. He said in Spanish when he was getting the award, he said, this is for the comedians of Spain. So, Oh, like, interesting. Yeah, and, he, and so it seemed to me that he was acknowledging that there was a certain humor to that role. It, describe for the audience what, this, what the facial expression is. Um, it's hard to, it's, it's like raised eyebrows sort of smirk, kind of but, like but a, with the... kind of like a, kind of like a, the, the facial expression you would give somebody when you want them, when you want to make sure that they are like registering what you've just told them. Right, right. yeah. Like yeah. like a like a make sure that you understood what I just told you kind of expression. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other aspect I was thinking about, and this probably goes for like many Coen Brothers movies, but one of the, one of the things about this movie and things that I really appreciate about movies that do similar things is this movie is like the equivalent of those um like mist or like maniac mansion type video games where you you they part of the fun of this movie is a very still shot and you are looking at the still shot and your job as the viewer is to interpret the information from it Uh so it's like looking at one of those you you know that's the fun of those video games is you're like oh let me click on this uh candy wrapper right Uh 
and the part of the fun in Coen Brothers movies is is this like heightened reality of things that are happening in the scene. So that the the candy wrapper slowly expanding and like yeah. the hyper hyper present noise of it, you know. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, and and it's all it's all that it's all like oh we we have to, like the the very significant piece of like where the lock when anton blew it out in Willem's trailer like where the lock hit and imprinted uh-huh you know it's all it, it's all like inviting the the audience to be like you're in this trailer right it's very like here's the here's the yes con condensed milk cup and stuff yeah, it's it it really does like it. I I wish that I could figure out the origin of this quote, but I remember there was somebody on the Mark Marin podcast, or maybe this is something Mark Marin said. Is like somebody said, "I like movies where you can walk around in them a bit." Yeah, like, I like a movie where you you have an opportunity to just feel like you're in an environment and you're noticing the details. Mm -hmm. And I think that this movie does that very well. Like you can really imagine the inside of Llewellyn's trailer because yeah. of those kind of details that you say. Um, and so, you know, so many movies don't do that. And I think that's one of the, honestly, that's one of the things that a movie can do to make me like it. You know, like it's sort of low hanging fruit for, for capturing my attention in a movie. If you give me like some, a few scenes of feeling like you can just walk around in a space, then I'm gonna like I'm gonna like the movie. Um, I guess it's I guess that's a way of saying I like movies with a certain slow pacing, um, mm. deliberate pacing. I it, yeah I like I what I like about it is the it's like what what this movie does and what other movies do is they they're they don't tell you the end point before they start the little procedure, right? Mm. Like, like we don't get a voiceover from Llewellyn when he's going into the um, store, the, the sporting goods store, and he's asking about tents right. and like, and like tent poles, right? right? We're like, why is he, what? Um, and then it's almost like, it's almost like a stand-up comedy bit yeah. where it's like build, build, build. And then the punchline is him pulling the, you know, taping it all together with the hooks and stuff and then pulling the um the thing out yes um uh, another movie i watch closely uh when when i rewatched it this time was the movie le samurai mm. that um that french movie by i forget the director's name but ah. um very like it just so happened that I watched Le Samurai and then I watched No Country like almost back to back and I didn't do it on purpose but there's so many it, like Le Samurai is like the whole movie is like that there's so little dialogue in that movie and it's all like we see these guys no sound no dialogue we see these guys get into an apartment and then they start fiddling with things and then what unfolds is we see them bugging this guy's apartment but it only becomes apparent when they're finally done doing the setup mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um so enjoyable to watch it's yeah. just so freaking enjoyable to watch and watch oh it's so good it's it, it's amazing it's it's really good um and I think there's aspects of that in like the movie that I think is the sister movie to this movie is um, There Will Be Blood, you know, uh -huh. and that those these movies get talked about um, together a lot. And I think, you know, it's partially because they came out at the same time and, and are like kind of take place in like desolate environments and stuff. But honestly, I want to watch. I want to watch a movie with um, Daniel Day-Lewis digging a hole, like, yeah. <laughs> like just make that the whole movie. You know? Yeah. 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 Cause it, it's, it does the same thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There will be blood. I mean, it's, that's, I think that's also a great movie, but I think no country for old men is, is better. Um, 
uh, yeah. What? Why do you say that? Well, I think No Country for Old Men is just a little bit. I think it's just a little bit more polished in the sense that I think No Country for Old Men, excuse me, I think that um, There Will Be Blood has a little bit of sort of frayed ends on it. Um, it's just, I think that there are pieces of No Country, I can't, I keep getting the titles confused. There are pieces <laughs> of There Will Be Blood that you could probably trim off and end up with something a little bit more perfect whereas i don't think that you could do that with i think no country for old men is is filed down to the absolute minimum yeah no it, it, yeah that's the difference between the those two yeah paul thomas anderson wants like he i feel like he he wants some of the messiness included in there like his movies yeah. are notably like long right like magnolia mm -hmm. did you say you've never seen magnolia i've ne still never seen magnolia oh it's it's really good it's really yeah. good but yeah coen brothers are definitely there, there's there's few of their movies where i'm like well that went on too long yeah yeah the the ones that i would say that about are like the ones that i don't think are very good right. <laughs> you know like lady killers or intolerable cruelty yeah um yeah uh Man, let's see one other change i i believe this is a change from the book in the at the end when shigur shows up and uh, to carla jean yeah i believe in the book carla jean does eventually choose heads she actually she does eventually choose a coin side yeah I, yep in the movie yep. in the movie they don't show or actually choose and i actually kind of like that i kind of like that in the movie they don't show carla jean give in to his game she like holds yeah. her ground um where she gives in in the book it ends the same way for her both times she ends up dead either way but um yeah i kind of liked Papa. the way that the movie let her sort of hold her ground yeah. Um, should I do a dramatic reading? Um, call it. She says, I won't do it. Yes, you will. Call it. God would not want me to do that. Of course he would. You should try to save yourself. Call it. This is your last chance. Heads, she said. He lifted his hand away. The coin was tails. I'm sorry. She didn't answer. Maybe it's for the best. She looked, she looked away. And then, yeah, this is where it catches up back up to the movie. You make it like it was the coin, but you're the one. Yeah. the coin didn't have no say it was just you yeah. yeah yep you're right yeah man there's also i think i feel like the book has a little bit more of shigur kind of like spouting off his philosophy here and there mm -hmm. there's like a, a few more sections in which shigur gets more extended like dialogue yeah um which i don't think needed to be in the movie but i think it would have been fun to watch <laughs> like uh -huh. it would have been it would, would have been fun but it was would have been ultimately unnecessary the, it, it's always weird to me uh in movies where they have where they introduce a pivotal character like three-fourths of the way through like when woody harrelson's character kind of just pops in yeah it it gives the movie it it i think that's what i like about the movie a lot too is like it's so unconventional from the way a lot of other movies do it like right. i feel like act one would have been you got to introduce woody harrelson you got to show you gotta like you know and and it it flips it all it's like all of a sudden here's this guy um yeah, yeah. and and the other thing weird that this movie does that that the pacing wise is how often they go back to that same motel where Llewellyn and Anton uh, Sugar first have it out, you know? Yeah. Because Woody Harrelson's staying in that same place and then like mm -hmm. all those people get killed in that same. And I don't think when I saw it the first time I put it together like, oh, that's all in the same place. Yeah. You know? You would have thought that hotel might shut it, shut itself down for a little while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and the yeah the scene that that scene where he kills Woody Harrelson is great too. Oh, yeah, it is great. Yeah, Woody Harrelson sort of gets introduced like, oh man, maybe this guy's gonna kind of shake up the dynamic. Nope. No. <laughs> nope. He wasn't so smart. Yeah. Um, what else can we say about this? The the. The scene that I don't think, one of the things that I don't, uh, scenes that I don't think makes any sense, but is the Coen brothers just putting their weird, humorous Coen brotherness onto a thing, is when Llewellyn wakes up seemingly at dawn in Mexico and he's laying there bleeding somewhere and there's an entire mariachi band playing over him. Right. Like, there's nothing yeah. about that <laughs> that ad, that is in the same realistic realm as the rest of the movie. No, it's so super <laughs> weird. But you know, I the uh, interestingly, that's like the only music in the entire movie. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because there's no soundtrack at all, and the um, the mariachi band is basically singing a song about Icarus. They're singing a song about like flying too flying too close to the sun. Oh, interesting. Which is a little bit, which is a little bit uh, common. A little bit. Uh, what am I trying to say? It's a bit of on a commentary on Llewellyn. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it could have been like, for all we know, that was like a little dream sequence, and Llewellyn, you know, yeah. that's that's him envisioning what how he got into the hospital or something. Um, yeah. Oh, that made me think of that made me think of something else that I just lost. Uh oh, now I remember. So this movie takes place in the eighties, mm-hmm. right? In Texas, and I think, I think just not to be a pedant, but because of what Shiger says about the the quarter, we know exactly it's nineteen eighty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pedant. Um. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I it reminded me so. I saw this meme or something online. It, it was a screenshot or a tweet or something. Somebody said um, it was like a picture of maybe like a Stranger Things screenshot of like a mall with like a bunch of neon colors, right? Yeah. And uh, that was one picture. And then right below it was another picture of like, brown ceramic coffee cups like see-through brown mcdonald's ashtrays brown uh awnings on buildings and stuff and and like the little commentary that the person added was one of the things all these 80s things get wrong is how brown everything was in the 80s yeah and that's what this movie gets right it's like everything the color scheme in this movie dead yeah. on it seems like the colors the color scheme the kind of wackadoo colors that we associate with the 80s kind of seems like those didn't really pick up until like the early 90s yep i agree yeah 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 it just it, the, it was a very visceral memory of this like brown see-through the browns the brown like kind of yep. glassy looking uh mcdonald's ashtray yeah <laughs> that's that's yeah. prime 80s yeah. yeah we might remember all decades we might be off on the way we remember all decades because the 60s i mean when people think of the like all of the fashions and stuff that we associate with the 60s really didn't become widespread till the 70s like bell bottoms and all that you know and like like mm-hmm. tie-dyed and like kind of hippie style clothing that was all like people weren't wearing that as much in the 60s as so much as the 70s yeah what are we gonna what are we gonna be saying we 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 shift our aesthetic memories of decades one decade forward what are we gonna be saying about the 2000s or the 2010s i mean this is this is kind of a uh obvious thing but it's like there's no Every style became so pocketed, you know, it's like there, there's all these little su- micro, micro I wonder styles. If, so I wonder if, um, 
So, you know, this is, we're getting a little bit far afield from No Country for Old Men, but have you heard the word shoogie? Shoogie, no. What is that? Shoogie. All right. So, gonna, shoogie. Google it. It's spelled C H E U G Y. Shoogie. C H E U G Y. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's New York it's a Times. Word, what is shoogie? It's a word that Gen Z uses to describe millennial stuff. Like, okay. Millennials. You know, like examples of shoogie would be millennials who are super into knowing their Harry Potter house and stuff. Like, that. <laughs> so like, so like, so like a lot of the stuff that people of our generation are into, Gen Z finds it very corny, and the word that they use is shoogie. Yeah, I'm I'm reading this New York Times article about it. Yeah, and so I, so I, you know, one thing I think one of the thing I've been wondering about is tattoos. Mm. millennials have so many tattoos like yeah people in their 30s right now are just at late 20s and 30s are just tattooed covered in all hell yeah um, and i wonder if i wonder if like the people who are teenagers now are gonna do that or if mm -hmm. or if tattoos are going to become shoogy right yeah and therefore maybe tattoos will be the way that when 30 years from now when a movie is made about like the 2010s like whoa look how weird the 2010s were like it'll just be people with like face tattoos and like, uh, it, tattoos and everyone's like ah. there's a there's a really good oh man i'm not going to be able to remember it i'm gonna i'm gonna i am somebody real quick and see if and see if i'm gonna <laughs> i am Ra rachel who we do our Star Trek podcast yep. with uh, she and I do our Star Trek podcast. Um, she showed me this comic that was basically like, uh, like not too far in the future. It was far enough in the future where somebody that was a millennial was now 70 or 80. Right. So uh -huh. I do the math on that. I, right. I mean, it's 30 escaping me. 30, yeah. 30, 40 years in the future. And for whatever reason, kind of Battlestar, new Battlestar Galactica style, no internet, no connectivity. Right. Um, and the guy, there's this guy's grandpa who is this aged millennial dude and he's covered in tattoos and he's old and he's wearing like, you know, the like, I'm, I've got this very particular style going. Uh -huh. Um uh and it's by it's by a guy that i i really like the comic book artist i'm gonna see of that aged millennial comic where there is no internet in the future let's see yeah um Okay, so back to back to No Country. Um, I gotta say, this is my favorite Tommy Lee Jones movie. Oh, so I, this 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 movie is what made me like Tommy Lee Jones. I don't uh -huh. really, I didn't really like him in other things because I I feel like there's a certain person who is really into Tommy Lee Jones who is mm -hmm. also really into John Wayne. And uh -huh. really into like, you know, just kind of like a really basic, um, um, I don't know, like, like, come on, really, you know, like, like just that kind of stuff. Right, sort of basic American masculinity archetype. Yes. Yeah. And I, I used to feel that way about about Gene Hackman also until mm. I think the I think when I I think when I first started liking him as an actor, it had to have been Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. But he was in the conversation, right? Gene Hackman yeah. or no? Yeah. I think I saw that after Royal Tenenbaums. That movie's another I I feel like a good triple feature would be La Samurai. The conversation and no country for old men that does sound like a good triple feature yeah hundo percent yeah yeah gene hackman i mean it's weird like 
I kind of feel that this is a dumb thing to say because I'm sounding like, oh, they don't make good movies anymore. It's not that I don't think they don't make good movies anymore, but certainly the the Gene Hackman movies, like who, who would be the Gene Hackman of today? It's hard to kind of, I don't know. Yeah. He's a bit of an everyman, but he's also a bit of a crusty everyman. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a few people... I feel like you and I just watched that new Soderbergh movie, mm-hmm. um, and David Harbor can can be like that. That's true, but he's too goofy. Like yeah. he's also at the same time he's in Marvel movies, right? You know, yeah. he. I don't think Gene Hackman would ever put himself in a Marvel movie. Yeah, that's true. Um, what's the goofiest movie Gene Hackman has made? I think Royal Tenenbaums. That's true. That's true. It's a little goofy. Um, would you put Daniel Day-Lewis in that same category? No, I think that because Gene Hackman never like does a major physical transformation or anything. Whereas no. Daniel Day-Lewis, this whole thing is like, whoa, Daniel Day-Lewis is completely different from, from role to role. Right. There was a funny um, parody video. I can't remember what it was. Oh, geez. I don't know, I can't remember the circumstances of this, but the premise was that Daniel Day-Lewis made a biopic about Barack Obama. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they they have, they have, you know, there's just, Obama is just in the video, but it says at the bottom, it says Daniel Day-Lewis. And he's like, yeah, this was one of the most uh, sort of challenging physical transformations I've done. I have to backpedal on something. Uh oh, okay. Gene Hackman was in very goofy movies. Mm. Notably, Superman 4, The oh, Quest yeah. for Peace. Oh, I didn't ever <laughs> see Superman 4. Oh my God. That movie, Gene Hackman, Gene Hackman's voice, uh, if I'm remembering this correctly, Gene Hackman is in the movie as Lex Luthor. And then he is also the voice of this like Superman clone that he created to fight Superman. Whoa, and he gave dude. the clone his own voice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's made some, he's made some, uh, some things. Um, all right, anyway. Yeah, that's a good question. Who would be the new Gene Hackman? Well, the other thing is that actors now are just skewing way younger, you know? Yeah. Man, I was thinking like, I was trying to think the other day, I was like, I can't think of, the other day I was, trying to think like all of the young actors I find really interesting and exciting. None of them are white American males. Mm, <laughs> There's like yeah. a lot of uh, American females that I think are really exciting and interesting. And a lot of like black American actors that I think are really interesting and exciting. But then now that I say that I do, you know, that movie we watched, we just watched um, no sudden move. I think Kieran Culkin is really good, but I don't yeah. think Kieran Culkin is very versatile. Like, Kieran Kunkin always kind of plays that kind of douchebaggy, whiny guy. Like he's the same in every movie he's in. He's really good at that role, but he always kind of plays the same role. Um, Yeah, yeah. David Harbour is a good actor, though. I like David Harbour. Mm -hmm. It didn't get very good reviews, but I really want to see that Nobody movie that... um, With Bob Odenkirk? With Bob Odenkirk. Uh, God, Bob Odenkirk is one of... Just Better Call Saul yeah. is so good. We still and haven't that's another... watched the most recent season because it hasn't come out on Netflix or whatever yet. But we. Oh my it. God, Bill! So good. It's yeah. so good. Um, there's gonna be one more. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Final season. But that movie too. That does. That does what we were just talking about. I mean, that's like that's like Vince Gilligan's thing is to do the. I'm going to lead you through step by step through this thing. And along the way, you'll piece together what's happening, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he, that's his that that's his like bread and butter, you know, showing us tearing apart somebody's apartment to find the one thing 
you know? Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. What are you looking at? You're off on a, you're off on a tangent over there. I was, I was, I was trying to look something up, but I abandoned, I abandoned that quest. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else is, what else do we need to mention from no country for old men? Um, Whatever we want to mention. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is so good in it. The guy at the end, it's just like, they nailed every character. It's just, there's no, there's no miscasting. There's I think no... there's one. I think I might quibble with one. Ah, oh, let's hear it. I, I think Carla Jean's mother goes a little bit into ridiculous caricature. Just a little, like, I, steps over the line just a little bit. I disagree because... Okay. I disagree because I have met people like that. Okay. I feel like old, I feel like there's a particular southern old lady who knows how to work the room like she does uh-huh. and has just had years and years and years of doing All right. that thing. That's I fair. agree it's I agree it's a little ridiculous, but I also have met plenty of old people who are like that who are just That's like fair. Um it, it is a tone shift for sure. Yeah, that guy at the end. Who is that guy at the at the Ed Tom's uncle there at the end? Yeah, um, that guy is so good. Yeah, Make, I would watch a whole movie about that guy. I know, and all the cats. He's got so uh, many. The, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the 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 thing that this movie that Cormac McCarthy is really good at is is the i don't know else how else to put it the cormac mccarthy jokes the southern Mm. the southern jokes like uh well sheriff i think this is a mess and then ed tom says well if it ain't it'll do until a mess gets here yep it's that wry like it's not exactly funny but the more you think about it the more you want to repeat the line you know um what was when when uh the deputy what's the deputy's name harlan I don't remember. Yeah, um, Wendell, something like that. When, um, Wendell sounds right. Yeah. He when he says that you know, oh, the feds are going to go back out to the crime scene, and he goes, "Any more bodies accumulate out there?" No, I don't think so. I guess I can skip it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could skip it. Just a little <laughs> yep. dry stuff like that. And and um, it's it's I think the first th- scene that we see. I think the first scene we actually see Tommy Lee Jones is when he's getting the horses out, or no? Yeah, I think the first scene we see, he's he's at he's at home and he's getting the horses. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was thinking of the the next one when he offers the deputy to ride his wife's horse. Right. He's like, you you take I forget the horse's name, so and so, and the deputy's like, are you sure? And he goes, oh, I'm sure. I don't want to be the one to be riding the horse. I forget. It's it's yep. just put so. Yep. so nicely like um, if, if my wife's gonna get mad at somebody it's gonna be you not me <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly um and it's not that i don't I, it's such a it's a skill i wish i had it's so funny the more and more you think about it mm-hmm. you know um but it's not ha 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 funny it's just like oh my god that is so wry and clever right. and there's it's time and again he just does that in this movie over and over again yeah um it's so good the um that first uh, one of that one of those first scenes when uh sugar is choking the the law guy out from from underneath and the the heel scrapes the heel scrapes on on the the, oh god very good It, it yeah and I, when I read the book, I realized like that's in the book too. That very specific like heel scrapey thing is in the book too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man. Yeah, it's just little touches like that. The heel scrapes on the floor. I, I don't know. It's just, this is a weird thought, but like whenever I see a movie that I think is, eh, that was okay. You know, it's pretty good. Like even, I don't know, even something like a rom-com or just a comedy. I'm like, if you had just put a few more little mundane specificities of life into this movie, I would like the movie like 10, 20% more, right? Like, I, don't, I, I can't think of an example, but I don't know. 
it, it would be interesting to take it would be interesting to do like a like almost like a shot by shot analysis like remake a movie and don't change any of the dialogue or right. anything in it but just include like I, I like my my dumbed down version of what you just said like for myself is i like a movie where the camera doesn't move <laughs> <laughs> like where you know you're not assisted by by the camera moving any place or like a lot yeah. of cuts it's just like i i once i tested my theory because there's this you know average shot length um that's like something you can look up for movies mm -hmm. and if you you could do a search by like what the what the longest cut in a movie is um and yeah anyways i don't know where i'm going with that that's a little bit different than the camera you, doesn't move but so did you see the movie um this is going to be a weird comparison and it's really not fair to the one to the movie that comes out badly in this comparison but did you see either of the two movies the farewell and crazy rich asians i saw the farewell i didn't see crazy rich asian the farewell was one i'm googling it right now where the grandmother as cancer grandmother is sick yeah. yes i saw that yes i mm -hmm. loved that movie that was great that movie yeah was incredible and i think what was incredible about it is like i have never seen a movie that I've seen a lot of movies where there are scenes that take place in China. Mm -hmm. I've never seen a movie that really gave me a sense of what it, what regular life in China must be like. Mm. Like so right. many things about that movie, the little specific things, like when they go to the venue where they're going to have the party and you see like the, this sort of mundane catering business. And it's not one of the big cities in China. It's like one of China's like normal cities. Um, I, and then like the way people act just seems very realistic and everything. And I thought now crazy rich Asians, obviously totally different movie, not even set in China. Um, so it's like an unfair comparison. It's a rom-com, but I just got no sense of anything real in that movie. Mm, yeah. Like people, like people really loved that movie. Um, and I really, I really did not like it because and it's not because it was a rom-com. I, I like a good rom-com, but I just felt that the movie was so, um, there was just no details in the movie that would give me a sense of what any of these people's norm, like lives were actually like. Yeah. Uh, um, a, a good movie that's, I don't, I, I don't know how realist, quote unquote realistic it is. But bon, one of Bon Joon Ho's um, earlier movies is called Barking Dogs Never Bite. Mm. And on the one hand, I hate that movie because it's kind of a comedy, but there is, I can't stand when dogs die in movies. I'm like that, I'm, I'm like that dude, you know? Yeah. And there's, there's like jokes about dogs dying and like people eating dogs and stuff in this movie. So I don't like that part of it but yeah. the other aspects of the movie are so cool it's like you get to see cramped um korean uh like big old apartment buildings and it's like cramped little like shop spaces and it's very like the movie the plot points of the movie revolve around space a lot you know like mm -hmm. And I, I guess now that I'm thinking about it, Parasite's that way, Snowpiercer is that way. Like the plot is tied to the actual place that it that it's in, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you ever see Snow Snowpiercer? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, was good. That was good. I hear the show is really good, but I haven't watched it. No, I haven't watched it either. Um I'm I'm in more of a movie mode lately. I wanna like I I find there's some so many good shows out there but it's like a 10-hour investment or whatever and i, I just i want to like just watch a movie and then i yeah, can with movies you can cross things off your list in a night yeah with shows yeah. you can't and i can i i get my little dopamine hit of like making my little letterbox review and like adding it to my little letterbox diary ah, you know yeah yeah um and they purposely don't include um tv shows on that yeah 
Yeah, um, the on the Criterion channel, they just added independent animation uh, collection, 30 independent animated movies mm -hmm. that I'm super looking forward to watching. So, right. um, oh, and Rachel got back to me. The name of the the name of the comic is called Private Eye, um, by Brian K. Vaughn. That's who I was trying to think of. He wrote uh, Saga. A lot yeah. of people really like that. Um, but yeah, the the name of the book, uh, Private Eye. The series is set in 2076, a time after quote unquote the cloud has burst revealing everyone's secrets. As a result, there is no more internet and people are excessively guarded about their identity to the to, to the point of appearing only masked in public. Oh. That was written a while ago, uh, 2013. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So check that out. Well, all right, man. Maybe- Well, maybe this we is definitely the dude's rug. I the, mean- it, The dude's rug. It's yeah. the dude's rug without question. Top. Top tier, absolute top shelf, top tier Cohen Brothers for me. Yeah, I would say if you're gonna if you're gonna tell somebody to watch a Cohen Brothers movie, I I think if you give them if you give them two movies, I would say watch The Big Lebowski and No Country for Old Men. Um, if you're gonna give them three movies, No Country for Old Well, but you gotta include Fargo in there. Yeah, well, it's like I think you got to consider the audience a little bit, right? Like if a if a person who is a normie was to ask you what Cone, what's the one Cone Brothers movie I should see, I might. What, what do you term normie? I might say, "Oh, brother, where art thou?" Yeah, if they're into super, if they want something light, yeah. yeah. This one though, if you're if you're like, man, I. I want like I don't know. <laughs> Do you want a brooding, uh, slow-paced? Did Emily watch this with you? Uh, not on this occasion, but she has watched it with me in the past. Did she like it? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. so good, really good. You know, yeah. it's funny. I've been I've been telling her I want to watch. Um, there will be blood with her. Um, but we haven't gotten around that to that yet just she hasn't seen it she hasn't seen it yet no oh man watching that movie for the first time that's a that's fun yeah um i watched the lighthouse with with uh, one of my friends about a month ago uh who hadn't seen it that's a movie that's fun to watch with somebody who's never seen it before yeah oh that so good so um we, let's see we're burn after reading next Man, we got a quite a we got quite a quite a row coming up. We got Burn After Reading, Serious Man, True Grit, Inside Lewin Davis. I'm not a key of those. I'm Burn After Reading is not uh, at the top of my list, but I have seen it a bit. It's been a while it. since I've seen it. There's a few things I there's a few lines in it that I quote often, like <laughs> so much so that I I think I forget that they even come from Burn After Reading. Um, but uh, it has been a long time since I've seen it. That's funny. Um, serious Man. It's like, there's got to be some comparison to like, uh, uh, like a Rolling Stones album that came out in the 90s that just blew everybody's mind. Oh, no, here, here I know what the, what the comparison is. It's like, uh, Serious Man is like, okay computer for radiohead it's this album that came out 10 years 12 years into their run and uh -huh. it's amazing it's right. like oh you thought you thought the bends was good you thought pablo honey was good you thought paranoid android was good and then they make this thing that's just like oh my god and cohen brothers it's like oh another just how late into their career was it that they made that? It's, it, 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 amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And it's one that grows on. It, I mean, you and I quote from Serious Man all the time. <laughs> all the time. So, do, so do me and Emily. I mean, it's like every time, I mean, we can't, 
every time we open a bottle of wine and decant it to let it breathe, <laughs> have to say, letting it breathe, so important. We, oh my God. We have to, we can't not. Uh, just one of those. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this has been fun. Good to see you and chat with you as always. Yes, sir. Um, and happy 4th of July. That. Hooray. Hopefully uh, not too many fireworks go off. Oh, my gosh. I hate them. That's something that changes when you become an adult with uh, a dog. Yeah, for sure. I used to love fireworks when I was a kid. Now, I hate them with a I passion. still like them. I, I would like to go to a place far away from I my do. dogs and watch a fireworks show. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't and, want I, my dogs to have to be subjected to it. I would really prefer if fireworks were handled by people who actually had licenses to fire off fireworks for the public. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, stay by your apparatus. Stay by them. I got to I got to figure out how to stop recording on my phone. Here we go. That's it. Okay. Bye. All right, man. That was fun.